tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. On this episode of This League, we have three series, all, which could be the lead of the story of the entire playoffs, (laughs) all ending within the last 48 hours. We talk about the epic, I mean, savory, delicious Sixers collapse and how I was, if there's a higher number than 100%, that would be how right I am about Ben Simmons (laughs) all year. No one. It was worse than I thought. So I was even more right. What a bum. Then we moved to Brooklyn, where we see an insane Game 7 loss to the Bucks displayed. Why Steve Nash may not have been the right coach for this group. Then we end in Utah with maybe the biggest choke job of the year, which is saying, fucking a lot. I cannot wait, Marty. Let's drop the beat. Actually, Marty, maybe uh, only you knows how petty I am at this company. And last (laughs) night, last night, it was on full display. The level of aggression of all of the battering that I've taken all year long about my takes just came out in one full. It was a screech. We'll call it. Yeah, I've never heard you scream quite like that. No, I mean, you knew that I was going to start cackling and heckling. But it was, where do I even begin? <laughs> where do I begin? Do we start with that epic game seven between the Bucks and the Knicks where Budenholzer's job was basically on the line and then got put back on life support by your guy, Steve Nash, with showing him what real coaching incompetence could look like? Do we start with the West with one of the greatest, most under the radar choke jobs in forever? With Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year, becoming like, I don't even know, just a guy? He can't guard guards. Against a Kawhi-less Clippers in the paint? Nope. No, no, no. No, no, no. The big, <laughs> No, no, no. The biggest story of all was Philadelphia. 20 years. They've been building this thing called the process that they're all trusting in. They've been trusting the process, trusting the process, trusting the process. And it's all coming to one giant collapse. It is officially over. Can we say that? The process is officially in a rebuild again? I mean, the actual process has been over since the 2017 draft. But yeah, this this experiment is over. The experiment of just high draft picks around Joel Embiid and a point guard who's not really a point guard that we're just going to remain calling a point guard is over. Yeah, we're done. We're done thinking we're done this is going to work. Yeah. We're done yeah. holding on to hope. And I was right. I was right. I was right all along. I'm going to plant. I planted my flag in the sand. And I was like, I am 
I am anti Ben Simmons. I'm planting it in. And everybody was like, oh, this girl is crazy. This girl. When I was like, guards I'd rather have than Ben Simmons. And I listed like 30 of them. Tell me, Marty. Let's look at the, let's look at what, who they were. It was like Drew Holiday, CJ McCollum, uh, Dame, I don't think I put CJ, Damian Lillard. You put both ball brothers. Both, Lonzo, Lola Mello. Devontae Graham was on there. Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> Devontae Graham was a, a little bit of a troll, but still. <laughs> um, Spencer Dinwiddie. There was one key omission. Oh, Trey was missing. Trey was for sure missing. And Devin Booker. Devin Booker was missing. But I only had so many characters. That's true. That's it was true. and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And people were like, after the first five, this list is ridiculous. Tell me now, fans, which team is going to trade those, any of those point guards straight up for Ben Simmons? I mean, I really would like to do a Ben Simmons trade scenario segment at some point because I do think it's really interesting, and I do think there Let's is— Let's do it next week. Okay, yeah, 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 sure. I mean, he—certainly you're not getting equal value, or even— Who, I, I, I mean, you, Yeah, see, that's the weird thing. Like, what does equal value even mean? Like, what is he worth? We don't—not a whole lot, especially with that contract right Are now. Are yeah. you trading any of those point guards? When I said guards I'd rather have than Ben Simmons implies I would not trade them straight up, right? Would you have traded any of those guys right now, right now, at this moment, for Ben Simmons? Maybe Devontae Graham. Maybe. <laughs> just because you have La- just because you have LaMelo, though. If you Fair. didn't have LaMelo, yeah. what would you do? Yeah. No, you would not. And now you have a plethora, and you have Terry Rozier. You have a plethora of point guards. Charlotte actually doesn't really need any more point guards. That would be a nice trade. That would be a nice trade scenario. So I was right. I persevered. Being, I was getting kicked in the teeth. I was being doxxed. People were hating. People were out on the street yelling at me. I per, I persevered because you have to hold, you have to hold firm in your beliefs. And I knew it would come around. I said in the playoffs <laughs> it would come around, and it did not come around any better than I could have imagined. It did shape up nicely it for your narrative. Up exactly. <laughs> Remember, I said he would average below ten. Nine point eight, he averaged. That is, okay. Nine point eight, he averaged. When when Vegas in a game seven has you at twelve and a half, that's your point line, and you're a starting point guard. That's disrespectful. And I think he had five in game seven. You can't have a point guard that doesn't shoot. You can't have a point guard that doesn't shoot free throws. That's the beauty of being right. Is that when I am right, I'm going to take victory laps. I'm going to put my foot on the neck until everybody says enough. Like, yes, you were right. You're right a lot. No, I mean, how afraid he was to get to the line late, late in games really was. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we're getting to that, but it's just it's such a problem. It's such a problem. Zero points in the fourth quarter in four straight games. Mm-hmm. He never attempted. I think this is the craziest stat I've ever heard. The, the starting point guard for the number one team in the East did not attempt a field goal at all in the final Fourth quarters of four consecutive games. He didn't want to shoot. He didn't want to go to the rack. Fuck it. He was so afraid of shooting a free throw. He didn't even want the ball in his hand. Yeah, no, there was there was that yeah, that that moment with like a minute forty eight to go where you just like, yeah, yeah. It was like hot potato. Uh-huh. But you are the point guard, the guy to run the offense. It's crazy. I mean, I couldn't even have imagined that in a million years. <laughs> he went from being a flawed star who is not really a point guard which is what I thought he was, to like an actual liability. Nate McMillan instituted Hack-A-Ben down. They were down 26, and I think that snapped his brain. I think from then on, Ben Simmons was broken. Yeah, no, I mean, 
very good coaching job by Nate McMillan. We got to say, I know we were, I know we were wrong about that one. So wrong, <laughs> so wrong. Maybe one of the worst takes I've ever had. But you have to forgive the history was the history. Sure, it's almost like he's the flip side of Doc Rivers, where it's like maybe he just didn't have that great of players and great enough roster. Like this roster is good enough for him to do great things. Yeah, like Doc Rivers has done nothing with great rosters. Like, very little. We'll get to that. He shot, Ben Simmons, uh, 34% from the line uh, for the entire playoffs, which is the worst in the NBA history for someone who has attempted 70 attempts or more. He's missed more free throws. This is another insane stat. He's missed more free throws by himself than the entire Phoenix Suns as a team. Yeah, I mean, that stat really is ridiculous when you think of, like, who else, like, that means that he beat. Like, he beat Shaq. He beat Tim Duncan, who was really bad at one point. He beat Rondo, Iguodala, like, all these guys that are just known for not shooting free throws well, and he just buried that record. Just destroyed it. And now poor Ben, because he's, I mean, he's broken, and I feel bad, really. He's going to forever deal with a term that's now called the pass. The pass, as they're calling it in Philly. So with 3.49 left and the Sixers and Hawks nearly deadlocked, Simmons made one of those spin moves. And I was sitting there. I was with a bunch of Philly fans in Philly, like enemy territory. And I saw Ben Simmons post up. And I'm like, here we go. He posted up. He spun. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, don't do it, Ben. Don't do it. I know you want to do it. I know you want to do it. And he passed it. And I was like, ha, 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 ha. Like he, <laughs> he had a dunk. It was an open dunk, and he passed it to Matisse Thibel, also a terrible free throw shooter. Right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It'd be one thing if he he'd threw it rather, to like Cork Maz or something. He, like. He'd rather sh- shoulder the blame and and give it to Matisse, make Matisse go to the free throw line, than him, who's making thirty plus million dollars a year. Matisse Thibel, it's only his second year. It's like, you fucking go to the free throw line. That's one of the moments in sports that I think I'll remember the most for the rest of my life. Like that you just immediately knew like that guy's in his head. Like it it was just so obvious. Like you don't you don't pass that up. No one passes that up. No one. Not a basketball player that plays professional basketball would do that. How big of a moment was this? After Ben Simmons executed a beautiful spin move, Danilo Gallinari found himself mano a mano against the rim. And... Instead, he dropped the ball off to Matisse, fouled by John Collins, and Embiid said that that was the moment. That was the turning point when he had we had an open shot and we only made one free throw. I mean, there was only one moment that that, that, that happened. That what shots fired? Shots fired. I think at this moment, that's when Embiid's like, "I'm done with this fucking guy. Never talking to him again." I'm dele- I'm blocking him. I'm uh, deleting him as a friend on all of my social media. And it's like, he's not even on the roster anymore. In, in my mind, he's gone. Never seeing him again in a Sixers uniform. It's tough to see. Rot row. Even Shaq said, if Ben was in the locker room after that, I'd knock him the fuck out. That's how bad it was. Teammates, you know. And that's where my mind always goes. Is like, if I'm Embiid right now, what am I thinking? Like, this fucking guy can't do anything. Dude, 6'10", I'm 7'1". I can do everything he can do and more. Yeah, like I need a perimeter to threat. I need one, yeah. He needs help. And I do, I must. And I, I want to say I've said it before, but people like to bang on me because I'm criticizing him. I don't li- dislike Ben Simmons at all. 
I think he's a a great athlete, like a an elite athlete, maybe one of the best athletes in the league right now, and a very skilled player. And I think he's been broken. I just think he's been broken. Broken by who? I don't know if it's national media. I don't know if it's regional media. Like, is it maybe? I, don't, I think maybe more likely it's just the toxic, delusional Philly fan base. They break guys. They break them. Carson Wentz. Uh, Markel Fultz. Like, Markel Fultz was a good shooter at Washington. You can't chalk that up to fans. He was struggling. Like he had, it could be also the physical therapist yeah. at, at in Philly too. There was something. Let's not act like he was bad shooter when he got to Philly. He wasn't. And then he got into his head. People didn't know if that was mental or if that was physical. Remember, there were articles oh, oh, yeah. and think no, pieces and about be, that as well. That would be the videos of him in open gym. And yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No. Very, very, very familiar Simmons-esque. with the Markel Fultz. Yeah. Very Simmons-esque. No, it's funny because the Suns and the Sixers, we were rebuilding at the same time. So, And uh, one of my best friends from high school actually is a Philly fan. So we've, I don't know, we have talked about the, I don't want to use the word process, but like the... Process. The rebuild and the come up and stuff. So, yeah, no, I remember all of this very specifically. And it is bizarre how it's all, you know, come to a head right now. I actually like him. I think Ben Simmons would be very good somewhere else. Just yeah. not on this roster. Not on this roster. The way that it's constructed, as you know, it's just problematic. But I think actually Portland, great place for him. Pick and roll with Dame. Ugh. I mean, that's I don't I don't even know. I immediately. What would, what would you do if that happened? I mean, that seems like I would immediately be a Ben Simmons fan, of course. <laughs> like people think this happened today at work. They said, you know, you you hate Sixers more than you love your fan base. You you hate the Sixers. You hate Ben more than you hate more than you love the Blazers. That's false. If Ben Simmons comes, if it's CJ, which which remember, what it would I've be. been saying yeah. this, haven't I? Yeah. And on now, all of a sudden, it was such a wild, imaginative trade in my head because I was like, no one's talking about this. But for me, this is like wet dream scenario. This makes us so much better. We already have like a bunch of scorers. We need somebody who can actually defend anyone. I would be a huge Ben Simmons fan. I that might, would be interesting. That's, would, my, that's my favorite scenario, I think. Mine too. How amazing would he be if he went to Chicago? Like Zach Levine like for, for Zach, Ben C- yeah. Simmons straight up. Or there's another scenario I thought too. Denver. Denver with Jokic would also be interesting. <laughs> like the Jamal Murray for Ben Simmons and two firsts. Coming off of an ACL, probably gone all next year. You get Ben right away. Who knows? Mm. It's Michael Porter Jr., Ben Simmons, Jokic, Austin Rivers. Uh, That's actually fine, yeah, because then MPJ can just be a shooter and he doesn't have to drive yeah. to the hole, which he clearly hates doing. Right. So, yeah. I think it's great. They need to make Ben Simmons into how the world thinks of Giannis. If yeah. you can just create a roster around Ben with a bunch of shooters, he's then Giannis. He's basically exactly the same. Right. That changes the entire par- paradigm. Uh, but I think we're going to obviously have a whole segment about Ben yeah. moving forward. But I think the thing that's getting lost in this is that Ben Simmons is going to become, yet again, Doc Rivers' next scapegoat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling it now. I'm calling it now. Ben is, a, is Doc's only ticket. That's why. Doc has been defending Ben Simmons all year coddling him even rich hoffman when we had him on the show was like you can't say a bad word about ben and then doc will immediately even if you send a hint of criticism doc is protecting him overflowing with praise you don't understand how special he is and you lose game seven after giving three games up you were up huge well 
Game seven, not up huge, but you were up. You were in position. In position to win. In position. And all of a sudden, someone asks him, which is a fucked up question to ask. I actually probably would have asked, hey, is Ben Simmons a, is Ben Simmons a starting point guard on a championship team in your opinion? And he was like, you know, I don't know the answer to that now, right now. <laughs> that is not coddling. That is not protecting. You are basically saying it's all on him. It's not you. It's on Ben. You're done. You've tried. You've helped him. You've protected him. And now no more. That is, it's a cold piece. And it's not something I didn't expect from Doc since he did it before. No one has coached worse in a series in this year's playoffs than Doc Rivers. Astounding considering how I have seen Steve Nash's performances against the Bucks. Like they should have beaten the Bucks in four. <laughs> I've called him the best worst coach in NBA history. I don't think I'm wrong. He's now lost 11 straight closeout games and has five game sevens at home that he lost. Doc has 29 losses in games he could clinch a series. That's a shitload. That is. L- let oh that God, sink in, yeah. Marty. 29 of them. That is a very interesting set. That's got to be. That's the most that's gotta, in NBA yeah, 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 Probably by a, a fairly lot. wide margin. Yeah. His wow. 34% win percentage in closeout games is also the NBA worst. Yeah. I mean, I, I okay. I can think of two, three, one leads he's blown. This one. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That makes Celtics. sense that he has the record. Yeah. Last year with the Clippers, Doc blew a 3-1 lead. Game 5 blew a 16-point lead. Game 6 blew a 19-point lead. Game 7 blew a 12-point lead. Damning. And then, instead of being like, listen, it's on me. He had the balls to be like, Paul George is just... Paul George is just doing Paul George things. I don't know what to say. Making snide comments and then him and Paul George are in beef. And then all of a sudden Doc Rivers is like, yep, uh, Ty Lue's going to do the exact same thing that I did. So you guys aren't going to get any further than than we did. And you know what? Turns out he was wrong. <laughs> Without Kawhi Leonard, they got to the Western Conference Finals. And it appears that Doc Rivers was why. So yeah, I 100%, I 100% believe. Just wait. Just wait. Mark my words, Marty. He will be the scapegoat. Doc Rivers will stay in Philly for at least another year or two. Yeah, I think so. And Ben Simmons will be shipped out, which he should be shipped out. But Doc also should be getting his comeuppance. He's just hoeing the ground, like raking the coals, (laughs) raking Ben Simmons over the coals. This is what he said. Oh, I think we already talked about it, but we can just play the clip. Doc, do you think Ben Simmons can, can still be a point guard for, for a championship team like the one you guys want to become? Yeah, David, I don't know that question or the answer to that right now. Um, you know, so I don't know the answer to that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Josh Smith, former Hawks player. Don't know if you saw this, <laughs> oh, I Marty. Did. I just saw it this morning. <laughs> went in on Doc. Yeah, Doc Rivers, you talked all that shit about Paul George and how Tyron Lue was going to have the same offense for that f- Shut your bum ass up, man. You're no in-game adjustments having ass. Start giving these dudes their credit, man. That's why your bitch ass got that karma on your ass and you can't get past the second round. You did all these wrong, man. Look in the mirror. Beep. You uh, And confess your motherfucking truth. You're never going to make it out of the second round. Which is, what is the truth? What is the truth, Marty? The truth is that Doc Rivers only got one chip with Ray Allen, KG, Paul Pierce, Rondo, bunch of role players. He wasted the best years of Tracy McGrady's career in Orlando. 
I mean, they had nobody, but sure. I'm I, I'm willing to throw that on Doc, too. Thank sure. you. Yeah. <laughs> he did CP3 dirty, had him and Blake traded through the entire Clippers organi- organization under the bus twice. He has not been to the conference finals in 11 years, losing in the first or second round 10 times in a row. Did Josh, Did Doc Rivers personally wrong Josh Smith? I have no idea. I was trying to wonder where that, like... I was looking it up myself, and I'm like, they've never crossed paths. Yeah, I mean, that was... That was some serious heat coming. I mean, I guess they probably beat the Hawks in the playoffs. I don't know. Maybe like, it was like just him as a Hawks fan. Yeah. He came hot. People want to say I came hot. Oh, he maybe came that is what it very was. Very hot. Yeah, because he's former hot. <laughs> the thing that's getting lost in all of this is that maybe Doc Rivers got all of his swag from Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> Tom Thibodeau was there. During the years that Doc Rivers succeeded, and as soon as Tom Thibodeau, Thibodeau left, and that defensive prowess left, the Kobe stopping left, his success also went down the drain. And now, what do they do? What do they do? What do they do? They have, uh, they have an MVP level center, MVP caliber center with two bad knees. One of them's already reconstructed. The other one's, and he also has a bad back, back spasms. That's not good. Nope. Not in 2021. Bad. You've got a point guard who's not a point guard, and now you're going to have to trade picks for him to leave or something. I don't know what you're going to get from him. You've got a max player in Tobias Harris who is not worth that money. I don't know where this team goes from here, but I tell you what, I'm going to be watching intently. Very, very intently. And I don't think it's going to be good, but it will be exciting. All right, guys, it's time to get serious for a second. This year's been hard. It's hard on a lot of people, and that's why we've decided to do something new, and we partner with our new sponsor, BetterHelp Online Therapy. I'm currently in therapy, definitely need it just to keep my mental oil changed, kind of keeps me in shape mentally to not melt down if somebody pushes my buttons for an entire game seven of a playoff. A lot of people, though, do battle with their temper. They battle when the stress is too hard to manage. When the process is over, uh, they get depressed, especially when their franchises come to a crumbling, stumbling halt. PTSD from a shrieking scream in their ear. The list goes on. If this is you, you can use therapy to get the same some tools that make life easier. When everyone is struggling with something, there is no shame. There's no shame in getting help. No matter how long you've been at your job, at this company or anywhere else. You don't have to tell everyone your personal business and you don't have to get your and turn your rage out on your coworkers. You can talk to a therapist about it privately and handle your business like a professional. BetterHelp is an online therapy that's customized, offering video, phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. You can wake up, and just get up out of bed and get on therapy. It's more a therapy it's more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing finally what therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically and you are remember your greatest asset. Can't what do they say? You can't pour from an empty cup. This pond Podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Trista. That's BetterHelp.com slash Trista. I cannot believe we're not leading this podcast off with the Brooklyn Nets. <laughs> right. Yeah. I thought for sure. 
I thought for sure. Game seven was wild. It was an awesome game. It was an awesome game. People tried to convince me that Joe Harris was the best pure shooter in the NBA all year. They tried to say that. People were asking Katie... Where does Kate, where does Joe Harris fall in the pantheon of shooters? You've played with Steph, you play with Clay, and Katie even entertained that question. The fact that Katie even entertained that question, Joe Harris is the sole reason that it was one, two, three, Cancun. Get the fuck out of here. No way is he a pure shooter. He needs to be in rhythm. You're saying no way he's a pure shooter. What I'm saying is he struggled. He struggled this year. He was bad this year. He was a big reason they lost. No, uh, no doubt about that. Would never argue that. I, I still think he's good though. What I would say is that there are certain people that are built for the regular season, and they succeed on a random Wednesday. But when the lights get bright and injuries happen, I think losing James was the reason that Joe wasn't Joe. Oh, certainly. Losing James in game one, and then losing Kai in game four. I forget exactly. Yeah, Early game four. It was a wrap for Joe because they couldn't facilitate pick and pop to him, and he was getting corner looks, but they were just leaving him open. Then he starts getting in his head. Right? So the mental part of the game, for a guy like Joe Harris who just wants to catch and shoot, he doesn't want to have to come off of screens and off the bounce and do all this other stuff. And then you've got guys disrespecting him. He shot 24% from game three on. He had the fifth most three-pointers in the league, 179 threes, and he shot 24%. Yeah. Number one all year. Number percentage. 1%. Well, number one shooter all year, 24% from three in the playoffs. That's what I would say is a mental problem. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it definitely started, like you said, he started getting different looks with those guys out. And then eventually, yeah, it just becomes a mental thing. I do agree with that. These weren't even contested threes. A lot of open brooks, bricks. He shot 50% from the free throw line. 50% from the free. That's how you know things are going on upstairs. There's some there's a party going on upstairs when you're sh- when you're a pure shooter and you're 50% from the line. It's a tough look. It's a tough Giannis look. shooting better in that series <laughs> than him. I'm not joking. No, I no, am no, not no, joking. Giannis sh- shot 26% from 3 and 54% from the free throw line during those same five games. Giannis Antetokounmpo, who everyone knows can't fucking shoot free throws or threes, shot better than Joe Harris. So you tell me, is he a pure shooter? I don't know. Yeah, no. And it's free- a hard damning stat, is it not? Oh, the free throws, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But this series obviously bigger than that. It was bigger than Grant Harden's hammy or Kyrie's ankle or KD just I don't even know what you could call that final shot, but the final final shot in overtime. Game seven to me displayed that Steve Nash had a very simple game plan going into this series. And to me, Joe Harris was a big part of that. It was like, listen, we didn't have a lot of buttons to push at the end. What are you talking about? What? Like, just stop. Just stop. It's your job to find the buttons to push. Is it not? It is your job to have a roster full of buttons for you to move things around like a little like those little cups in New York City where they've got a little a, one ball underneath the cup and they're moving it around. That's you, Steve Nash. I think what he meant by that quote was that they were a little gassed at the end and there was not there was not really anyone to rely on besides Kevin. 
But it sounds bad when you just it say that part. It so does sound bad when you say that. We didn't have a lot of buttons to push at the end. I saw that and I was like, fam, please don't. You are giving me away. It's too easy. Like when they said to him, hey, earlier on, they were like, hey, it was against the Bucks actually in the regular season, close to the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Bucks went on like a 18-0 run. No timeout. And they asked Steve oh, Nash, yeah. they asked Steve Nash, hey, did you ever think about calling a timeout? Maybe slow some momentum. And he's like, you know, in hindsight, that probably would have been a good idea. Yeah. This is a guy so out of his of his realm, over his skis. He's just never been there before. I get it. Like, it's hard. It's hard. G- Jeff Green shooting 65% from three in the series. Jeff Green, the guy who had 27 points in game five on seven for eight from deep in game seven, 12 minutes, 50 seconds of playing time. 47 minutes for pretty boy Joe. 47, Marty. 47. Po- At what point do you say Joe is cold? <laughs> what point do you say Joe <laughs> is cold? The Nets got zero points off the bench. I like that you have to sit through this. No Landry <laughs> Schmidt, no Mike James, nothing. Just James Harden on one leg and a gas KD for an entire full game and OT. And then they were shocked. They were shocked that they only scored one basket in overtime. <sighs> also, speaking of OT, Nash did not call one timeout. The entire OT. <laughs> he did. <laughs> And he knew, he said, to, he said out loud after, I knew they were really gassed. You have timeouts to use at your disposal. Your team's not scoring. Why are you calling a timeout to get them some rest, Marty? Please tell me. Please tell me you see this. I see what, though? I mean, like, do I think he's made mistakes in his coaching and managing this team in his first season? Sure. But... Uh, I mean, I've just seen that guy do so much on a basketball court. I just, I, he's going to be fine, in my opinion. What does that have to do with the price of tea in China? Huh? What does that have to do, him being a point guard, have to do with the price of tea in China? I just, I have faith that Steve is going to pull it together. I get you want to, I, I get that you want to keep things simple, but like, you, simple, but you can't just be like, give the ball to KD and get out of the way. You just can't do it that way. You got to change your rotation. You got to do something. Things are not working at the end. No. Let's talk about the Bucks because they. Yeah, yeah, please. Let's talk about the Bucks. <laughs> Obviously, PJ Tucker deserves a ton of credit. Yeah, he was. Even though Kevin Durant was scoring fifty, it was a hard fifty. Yeah, I mean that's part of it. People only try to look at like oh numbers guys put up. It's like it's the effort that you made them put into putting that up. He was, he was gonna gassed. He could have put up seventy. Yeah, I mean, what's the lowest number of points Kevin Durant could have possibly scored in that game? Like. 40 yeah like like he was gonna get his like well and the thing is it's like it also made it difficult down the stretch for katie to get those looks because he was he had been physically assaulted out there all game (laughs) you know it was hard for him because his body took a beating like if he was just out there like running drills Mm -hmm. he would have been fine in ot P.J. Tucker made it so that kevin durant couldn't get his in ot you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. drew and middleton Took over, just took over at the end. Bucks just dis- disappeared in the final two minutes and nearly all of OT. They needed someone who's the number two option, and that is exactly what Middleton and Drew did. They carried the Bucks, 
and uh, people refuse to to admit this, that Giannis, like Ben Simmons, down the stretch, cannot be trusted. Yeah, he's not a closer. Yeah, I mean, that's abundantly clear. It's abundantly clear yeah. that this is the reason right here that I that I predict that there's un, an unlikely scenario with this roster, the way that it's constructed, that they will win a title, which is why. Because when you get into the playoffs, things get tight, mm-hmm. like they have. And if you can't rely on your number one guy, who Giannis is their number one guy, down final two minutes of the game and all of OT, and you need to rely on Chris Middleton to be nails and clutch, and Drew always to be clutch, I think you're going to fall fall short sometimes. It's a tall ask for them to be that four out of seven games for sure. But I do, I don't know. I like it way more than I liked it when Bledsoe was in there. I, I do hundred percent. I mean, I like yeah. That's far like far from a hot take at all. But yeah, no, I, I agree with you. But I do think those guys are capable. Like, I think what they would be better suited to do, and this may be, this may be a hot take. But is there a scenario you could package Drew? And Middleton for a real, like a real number one, like a real number one, like Beal, like Beal, hmm. like Beal. I don't know, maybe which would be very interesting. But like, then you lose Drew's defense. But like, what about Beal and Russ for Middleton and Drew? Ooh, gross. But still, Beal. <laughs> I don't know. There needs to be someone. I don't know who's how much really, I love Russ and Giannis. On I don't the same like team. that either. I don't like that either. I, I change my mind. But if you need to be subbed out. In the final two minutes of a game, or you can't be used, you can't get the ball in your hand, you play hot potato with the ball, you can't be considered to be a superstar. You just can't. You're a star that becomes a liability in the most crucial moments of a game. Like, would you ever see a scenario in football that Tyreek Hill didn't get the ball? Like, that they weren't actively scheming for him? Like, they actively scheme away from Giannis. Mm. You got it. He has to have another number one option near him, or they're not going to ever win a title. But it will be interesting to see this Hawks team play the Bucks. I am intrigued. Very intrigued. Absolutely in shock that it's taken us <laughs> a long ass time. 30, 40 minutes to talk about the Utah Jazz. Trash. <laughs> let's let's do my very best Trista Crick impression. NBA teams in the playoffs that are overrated and underrated. Overrated. Pretty simple. Utah Jazz. Most overrated team in basketball. Don't trust them. Because why? They're Utah. I think it's time we have to start asking whether Donovan Mitchell contributes to winning basketball. I think it's a fair question. <laughs> I love you. I love you. I, I, just, I, just, I just, I think we need to talk about it. I think Donovan Mitchell deserves better. He does deserve better. I mean, but if this was Devin Booker, if you were, if you swap Devin Booker out with Donovan Mitchell, that's what the world would be talking 100%. about. A hundred percent. I don't understand the hate of Devin Booker. Like, I just don't get it. It's wild. It's wild. This was the weakest number one seed in basketball in modern memory. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the West. No doubt about it. Yeah. One bizarre six-game collapse. Like, I don't understand. I swore that they were going to win that game. I swore it. Like, I was like, I can go off and do some laundry. (laughs) They're up 26. If you're a Jazz fan, let me ask you this. Which series to you is more painful to remember? Is it losing after being up game or 3-1 to the Nuggets last year? 
or losing to the Clippers in six after being up 26 points and looking at a game seven at home? I think it's this one. See, I think it's the other one. Really? It depends on how you look at it, right? Because 3-1, at least in this series, you can fall back on the fact that Spider had an ankle injury and that Conley had a hamstring injury, right? Yeah, yeah. And was out for most of the series. But I think when you give up 3-1, all you need is one game. All you need is one. That's true. I was just thinking it from the standpoint of you're still looking at a healthy Lakers roster a year ago. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Whereas this, you're thinking, oh, if we get through this like, and we get our guys healthy. Like, and the expectations because you're the number one seed. Uh-huh. One's a slow burn. One's a very sharp, bitter, yeah. vicious stab. Uh-huh. The yeah. vicious stab stings. Spider said that this one hurt more. He did everything. Could not help to stop the bleeding. He was awesome. I, I just, uh, For our listeners, I was kidding. I was just bitter about the Booker versus Mitchell. It's probably more traumatizing to blow that 26-point lead but and jarring, but to lose in Game 7 after going up 3-1 in the first round? In the first round? <sighs> Spread. They blo- they, I think they had 12-point leads in all of those games? Yeah. There needs to be some accountability about what's going on with Quinn Snyder. What's happening? What's happening with all these leads? You can't give up huge leads. Some people thought he was coach of the year. Some people did. I didn't. I thought Monty Williams was coach of the year. And then tips. The second half, surreal. Did not feel like the Clippers would ever miss. I mean, they just ended it. Like, I thought for sure we were going to go to the seven, and then they just ended it. 81 points in the second half. Outscoring the Jazz by 34. They went down 20. They went from down 26 to winning by like 11. It wasn't even close at the end. And I don't know if I told you this, but when I met uh, up with Jerry West at Summer League a couple of years ago when it was before the pandemic, his number one favorite player was Terrence Mann. Really? He told me (laughs) this kid, because he was like, he only averaged like nine points in the Summer League. He wasn't even that good. Yeah. We were watching some game and we were underneath the basket and he was like, this kid's going to be really good. This kid's going to be contributing really soon. And I was like, he has like six points right now. He's I like, like him a lot, though. He's really good. Yeah. He's re- 39 points in the closeout game. 15 for 21. 7 for 10 from 3. Jerry West saw that coming. Oh, boy. That just tells you. I told you he was very high on CJ. I mean, there's something about that man. He can predict talent. He can like. evaluate talent. What's next for the Utah Jazz? It's kind of the same situation as the Sixers, isn't it? Like, you've got gaping holes in your roster that are exposed in the playoffs. Like, Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles is a like a flawed defensive player. Flawed. Yeah. Like Bogdanovich, flawed. Mm-hmm. Like they can't rotate. No, not at all. Like if you guys can shoot and you can slash, like you're cooked. They just can't reach the guys on the perimeter. No. Like, yeah. They just couldn't rotate fast enough and it was just wet, wet. Clippers were the one, one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. Mm-hmm. And Reggie Jackson was just giving them the business, just cooking them. So I think that this needs to be a complete roster con- reconstruction. Like Conley's out unless he wants to take a team-friendly deal, which I don't think he does. Right. So he could probably go out. There's a lot of teams yeah, looking for a point somewhere. guard. Yeah. So you've got Mitchell. You've got to figure out what to do with Ingles. you got to figure out what to do with uh, Bogdanovich. They make a shitload of money. Derek Favors is making $10 million a year as well. Mm-hmm. They are where they were last year in terms of cap because Donovan Mitchell is about to get paid. Donovan Mitchell's uh, contract now goes into the 2021-2022 season. They're right now losing Conley. At $130 million, and the cap is 109. 
You are in dire straits because you are certainly not doing shit without Conley. Yeah. And the interesting thing is Rudy, I mean, as good as he is and as dominant as he is. Can we trade him? Can you trade him? I'm sure you probably could. I don't know. That'd be interesting to think about. But he he's limited defensively. Absolutely. How does a, how is a defensive player of the year def- defensively a liability? He can't come out and pick up smaller guys. He no. can't at all. The death of the big man. No. The death of the big man. I don't know what to do. You've got $32 million stuck between Ingles and Bogdanovich. Disaster. So much. Do you move Jordan Clarkson to two and Spider to one? Like, is 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 he going to be a starting two guard for you? That's point, gross. Point Spider. Pi- point Spider? Might be I worth trying, know. honestly. <laughs> 27 points the Jazz gave up at the rim. 22 corner threes. More than any other team in any other game in the playoffs. I mean, let's just let that sink in. That's fucking awful. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the number one team in basketball. And that's what they did. That's why they were overrated, folks. That's why. Yeah. Because you don't expect um, historic problems in a playoff game from the number one team in basketball. And I think my Ty Lue take is might be up there with your Nate McMillan take. Like, he, we, yeah. he, 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 he figured out a way to get Rudy Gobert out of his comfort zone. And so, yeah, yeah uh, big ups to Ty Lue. Big ups to Tyloo, big ups to Nate McMillan. We're going to call them Playoff Coaches of the Year. (laughs) Eastern Conference and Western Conference. Clippers watch game film of the Timberwolves. Athletic team with shooters who beat the Jazz twice in the last two weeks of the season. We're like, let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) Let's do that. I think the Clippers actually were well-suited to play against the Jazz without Kawhi. Like, because of the way that that roster was used. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no way a healthy Kawhi is sitting on the bench. But without him, you're like... Let's try something new. Yeah, this kind of works. Yeah. <laughs> Jazz have hard decisions. 130, like I said, without Conley and Spider just coming off that rookie contract. 20 million over the cap with holes in your lineup. You need to trade some people. You need a point guard and an athletic forward who can score. And it sounds like the Jazz need to just trust the process. I'm overcoming the obstacles. All right, Marty, uh, off the cuff, Clippers versus Suns, no Kawhi, no CP3, Suns win comfortably. Quite comfortably, yeah. I mean, we were up. Uh, I mean, they they kept it close, like throughout there. But I felt like we were. Uh, I felt like the Suns were in command pretty much the entire game. Eight and it was just dominating down low, getting dunks left and right. Even when Zubak was in, uh, I, I I even tweeted. I think like that's a very bad sign for the Clippers. Like Saw this that. series, like Kawhi or not. Uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think Phoenix is in a very good spot, and uh, especially uh, with Woj saying that. He really feels like CP's coming back either either tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, Doesn't matter. I think it's Suns yeah, and four, five. <laughs> I know that's like a crazy thing to it, say, it, but it this really team is, looks. Yeah. If you're doing this to the Clippers without CP3, I don't know. I don't know. It's just so cohesive and amazing. And like we have to give big ups to, I mean, Devin Becker, who made literally every mid-range shot that he attempted in the third quarter. It looked like he was going shot for shot with Paul George, who's playing awesome in his own right. Paul, I mean, Paul George kept them in the game, but they were tough fourth quarter for Paul George. That's true. That's true. That's true. But they, so many of their shots, they were getting through ISOs, and it seemed like uh, the Suns. We assist on besides like Booker, like ISO, like pull ups. Every other shot seems to be assisted on. And I I just think it's a more cohesive just team. This is the best, most cohesive roster in basketball. Yeah. The most flexible in terms of the types of lineups and the types of matchups that they can exploit. Mm -hmm. 
the team that's the most unselfish with the basketball, that extra pass to Mikel Bridges in the corner, it was swing, swing, and Cam quickly tossed it, and it was, which was amazing, it was at the end of the shot clock. There was only like a mi- mm-hmm. uh, one and a half seconds left when he passed it. Mikel hit that three, and, I, and that was like very tight game at that point yeah and i at very close to the end of the fourth quarter and i was like oh shit like this team has so much faith in one another this team is unselfish with the ball and they keep it moving and they move without the rock and now devin booker is like the voice of calm and <sighs> reason and Man. you've got campaign who's also like keeping you calm and patient and it's like Without CP3, this team beats the Clippers. Yeah, I was go, I was going nuts for just everything Booker was doing, and I, I may get killed for this on it, but it felt like to me what it must have felt like to have Kobe in like 2010. He looked the closest to Kobe in like we've 2010, ever seen. where it's just like, yeah, just do whatever you can to get an 18 foot jumper off. I believe you can make it, and he damn sure fucking did. Like, His hang time is Kobe. His yeah. hang time, his fadeaways, his footwork, and Ken for a very quick second. We sit. What I've been thinking about since Game One of the first round against the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Those purple Kobe's are sick. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those purple Kobe's are sick. And in the era where athletes change their fucking shoes around every game or two games, Devin Booker has worn the same pair of purple Kobe's mm-hmm. since Game One. And you know what? One, I can always identify him out there. Just buy his shoes. And two, like, he is in it. He is fully in Mamba mode. Like, what is the the quote that Kobe gave him? Be legendary. Be legendary. And Devin Booker, after Kobe passed away, his idol, his mentor, he is being like Kobe reborn. He's so, like, level-headed with it, too, and focused on the goal. Like, when he walked off, he was just like, that's one. That's one. Like, he... He's not ahead of himself at all. I'm just, ugh, I, I, I'm so proud of him as a leader. Like, this is literally what I've daydreamed about for five years. And he's just doing it so much better than I could have ever asked. Like, just Devin Booker is, I, I don't even have a word for it. He's just amazing. He's an amazing basketball player, amazing person. I love everything about him. Another thing that we could say about Devin Booker is Devin Booker, one, is, is slated to go to the final, slated to win a championship, and he already has committed to Team USA. That's Devin Booker. He's like, I don't care how far we go. Every other person's been only committed to the Team USA after they get bounced, but Devin Booker's committed right this fucking second. Yeah, how do you like that, Bill Simmons? How do you like that, bitch? Golly, that summer, that 2019 summer, when, when, when we've talked about it before, but when that video of him like saying, like, let's not double team in this scrimmage, it was that same summer where he didn't play in FIBA. And like everyone was like, oh, like, oh, go, go have fun, like playing ISO and open gym and not like getting this good experience from FIBO, like blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Like, Why are you at Lifetime Fitness with Hoodie Mellow? You know what? I'm excited about this Suns team. I told you I was rooting for the Suns as soon as the Blazers got knocked out. And I tell you what, I am ride or die now. <laughs> I'm a ride or die fucking Suns fan. A lot of people are. It's kind of weird to be the team that everyone's pulling if for. You are the darling. Yeah. You are the Loyola. Chicago yeah. of the fucking NBA playoffs. I'm excited, man. It's going to be very, very excited. Happy to see Chris Paul come back. I don't think that this Clippers team can scheme against them. I think there's just too many weapons, too many lineups, and Ty Lue's going to get his head in a pretzel. So that is all the time that we have for this league podcast. Please rate, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, we also have this league playoff merch. There is a faker's tee that I wore on the stream last night that looks very good in person. Not all white tees look that crisp, and that white tee looked fucking crisp. It looked great. If you're a woman 
listening to this podcast, you can tie it up in a little knot. Looks good. Do not forget to follow us at, at this league at Trista Crick on TikTok, IG, YouTube, Twitter, and on Facebook. Thank you for listening. Marty, let's go. Next time I see you will be Thursday. Hopefully the Suns will be up 2 Looking to go 3 Looking to go 3 We'll see you early squirrely Friday morning for the next episode of This League. The bigger they come, the harder they fall. It's time to risk it all.